Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Imagination is a potent help in every event of our lives. Imagination acts on faith, and both are draftsmen who prepare the sketches for will to engrave, more or less deeply, on the rocks of obstacles and opposition with which the path of life is strewn. Welcome to Urban Legends, the 115th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 19th century spiritualist Helena Blavatsky. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. And you can call me Car and holy crap, it's 115 and Madame Blavatsky. I know. All right, right, go ahead. Mary Meet, my name is Gwen, Madame B. <laughs> I love Madame Blavatsky. Yes. We are having some spirits while we talk about, you know, spirits. Right. Um, <laughs> and... Ode managed to pick up something that's terrible. Something very bad, which I won't name. So Bloom. Jackson offered to bring up something to... Something delicious. Something delicious. And so here we are. So, right. Yeah. So Jackson. Jackson, say hello. Hi, my name is Jackson, Ode's brother. Hey, <laughs> Doesn't have anything to do with Quinn and I. Nope. Just Ode's Just brother. I spontaneously <laughs> generated him <laughs> to be my brother. Because he wa- they wanted a brother. Yes. <laughs> so, so, oh, all of a sudden, one day, boom, that was a brother. Rabbit says the mythical Jackson. Uh-huh. The mythical Jackson. <laughs> Finally appeared. Hath arrived. Hath arrived. That's right. Jackson's going to just lurk behind me. Yep. Yep, we're good. And lean forward when he wants to comment. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So, all right. but we do have an actual topic tonight. But first, we have to do housekeeping. housekeeping. Oh yeah, we're all a, we're all a flutter because yeah. Jackson. All right. So we have no new patrons this week, so right. I don't have to name anybody. Well, thanks to all our existing patrons. Yes. That's right. You know, we love you and we appreciate everything you do for us because we know times are hard, especially mm-hmm. right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you guys have stuck with us, and we really, really appreciate you so much. Thank yep. you. Yep. Exactly. Uh, normally on Sundays at two o'clock. Uh, three weeks out of the month, <laughs> I do Zoom meeting. I was in for about half an hour today and then had to bail because I had a beard meeting. But you had a guest leader. Yes, Finn Odinson joined and... Took I, control. I made Finn the host <laughs> without his consent. And, uh, <laughs> he led the meeting. Um, so hopefully Finn did a good job. I assume he did because it's Finn. It's and Finn. as much as I give him shit, I appreciate Finn significantly. And, uh, and those are just sort of freeform. Yeah, they're freeform yeah. completely. Chit-chats. So our next episode of Three Pots, mm-hmm. which is Three Pagans on Tap, will not be this Tuesday, but will be Thursday. Thursday yeah. Because Theron's child is having a birthday. And so ah. that outranks anything we would do. That takes precedence. So happy birthday <coughs> to little Odinson. Yes. Right. 
Small Odinson, happy birthday. <laughs> but Thursday night, we will be doing Three Pots again. The fifth episode. The fifth episode, and we're doing mead. Mead. Mm -hmm. So while I will be doing it at the brewery, I am not drinking just my mead. I have mead from other places. You can yeah. also take the, the ones that I just had. <laughs> uh, no. Those are ciders. Okay. I will not do session meads. That's that's a sin against all humanity. Against all meads. All right. Yeah. On Monday mornings at 8 a.m. Eastern, I lead a guided meditation and that is on Facebook, and it usually is live on the page, the groups, and all that fun stuff. Yep. And then on Wednesday, this is our last meeting for the book club. We have been reading How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. We decided last week, the, the folks that were in there with me, that we would do the final two chapters. So chapters 17 and 18, because they're relatively short. Okay. And just kind of wrap the whole thing up. Because you've been going for a long time. We've been going for a while now. Yeah. It was a very, very good book. I highly recommend it. To everyone, he lays things out very clearly, uses examples from his own life. So Rad asks, what book is next? Well, I'm not going to be doing another book club right now. Maybe sometime in the future, but this one has gone a very long time. <laughs> um, and so we're I have a lot of other irons in the fire, but mm -hmm. I think if we do another one, it's probably going to be a pagan book. Okay. So, But that'll be sometime. Stay tuned for the future. Perhaps right, yeah. in the future. Yeah. yeah. And then the Yuling is coming up. So Yuling is the the Pride's Secret Santa. If you would like to sign up for that, you go to tinyurl.com slash three pack yule. That's three P-A-A-C-Y-U-L-E. Again, the rules are, are listed there. You're gonna get your partner assigned to you on December 2nd. Your gift to them has to be in the mail by December 15th. If you contact me before December 15th to tell me that you can't get something to your partner, that's fine, no penalty. If you contact me after December 15th to tell me that you can't get something to your partner, or if you don't contact me at all... You're put in the penalty box. Yes, you you will be banned from further participation in the Yuling, just because we've had this happen a couple of times now in the previous times we've run yep. this, and it's very disappointing for everyone involved. So we're just going to be real hard line about the rules yep. moving forward. And now. unlike hockey, where you're put in the penalty box for five minutes, this, you're put in the penalty box forever. forever. Just forever for as long as we do these yep uh and i think that's all our housekeeping i think that is all the housekeeping yes we're house kept house and, kept and house swept there we go and hobbit hole cleaned <laughs> wow she's wow. really persistent on that i know <laughs> i didn't do it the last couple of times so it's time for the episode to talk yes, to talk about urban legends urban legends specifically we're going to be focusing on the paranormal type urban legends because there's a wide range yeah. of urban legends Ranging from like the hook man stories right. to sort of getting the phone call. Yeah, the phone call is coming from inside the house kind of a story. Yeah, not those kind of urban legends. Yeah, we're not going to be touching on that kind of like home invasion paranoia stuff. We're going to be touching on Paran the paranormal urban legendy type stuff like yeah. cryptids and so forth. Okay. Uh, Rana says, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Oh, yeah, exactly. thanks, Rana. Exactly. Thanks. It's that kind of Robert of says Slenderman. Yep. Yes, we, yep. Will, we will actually be covering Slenderman because that's a that's a favorite that's one. That's a favorite one of both of ours, yes, definitely. Yep. But first we want to cover some sort of groundwork, I mm -hmm. think. So my groundwork is thought forms. Yeah. <laughs> sort of how we can create things accidentally. While some of this obviously is imagination or various other... It's fiction. Fiction or yeah. various other types of explanations, we believe in such a thing as a thought form. Mm -hmm. As well as tulpas, which are basically thought forms. 
Sort of. Sort of. They kind of grow they out stole, of... Theosophy stole the word tulpa from Hinduism, yes. where it means something completely, completely unrelated. Completely unrelated. But thought form is probably yes, the better. that's why I prefer thought form. Yeah, thought form is probably the better better term. All right, so explain what you mean. Okay, so, so there's sort of two divergent definitions for a thought form. There's the original thought form, which was a, a concept that grew up out of theosophy. Mm -hmm. And there's the modern sort of concept of a thought form, which is what we're sort of working with here. When you talk about the yeah. theosophical thought form, because you studied that more. Right. I studied that more and making it about as basic as possible. The idea is that the thought form is created from your emotions and your uh, the energy and, and your thoughts. Of, so like if you are thinking about someone in particular, let's say uh, with a lot of love, a lot of happy energy, a lot of, of protective energy, the idea is that the thought form takes a life of its own and moves from, you know, because you've put so much energy and thought into these emotions for this person that it takes on a life of its own and it moves from you into that person's aura and becomes part of a protective, loving part layer. Of, layer of their aura. And the same is true if you have negative emotions. negative emotions towards someone that are strong enough that they create a, a thought form, mm -hmm. can then go into someone else's energy space, their, their aura. And interfere. And interfere. That's so the very, very... Dumbed down for people like me. <laughs> Theosophical thought. Theosophical thought. So, as the skeptic in this crowd, mm -hmm. would somebody else be able to experience that quote unquote thought form? Or is it something you experience because you put the thoughts into it? Probably. I'm going to assume that there are different schools of thought on this. Mm -hmm. I am not a theosophist. Right. Theosophist. So, I don't know what their position would be on that. Gwyn and I think that something similar to this is how people end up accidentally cursing. Mm -hmm. Because what is it, what is spellcasting? Spellcasting is is uh, gathering earnest intention. Earnest intention. It's your intention sure. with energy that you send out to create something in the world out of the energy that is out there that you have given shape and, and there, thought and there are some schools to. of thought okay. especially in like chaos magic that as soon as you've started thinking of the spell you've started doing the spell yes sure mm -hmm. and, and and i'm fine with that mm -hmm. but people don't see quote unquote a spell no no right but you see the effects of it but so how does somebody see pick a random thing slender man mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so created by thought form right how does somebody else see that because so, that's different than like experiencing the effects of. So here, this is something else Gwen and I have debated and back and forth. Well, I'm glad you've about. debated this because I have questions. Something like a Slender Man or a Jersey Devil or a Mothman or whatever. Sure, right? yep. It has not exactly a canon, but right, but there's an established like mythology of what those figures look like. Okay. People know yeah. what those figures look like or greys <laughs> or whatever. Sure, yep, yep. Your eyes don't see it, mm -hmm. but okay. your brain sees it. Yeah. Okay. Because what actually happens when you see things normally is that your brain takes input from your eyes. Yeah. And then it interprets that input. Not in the way your eyes actually see it. It elides some information that it thinks isn't important. It adds information that it thinks should be there. Mm -hmm. And obviously, as everyone knows, it flips the images right side right, up. Right, yeah. Inverse, yeah. <laughs> so that you can see in a way that makes sense to your physical right. body space. Allow me to interject part of our conversation right. that we had. We believe that many of these experiences when people see, you know, these cryptids or mm -hmm. having an experience with a black-eyed kid or whatever, they are actually having a paranormal 
spiritual spiritual experience. experience. And usually people are by themselves. Mm -hmm. It's it's very rare that it's like a whole group of people having an experience experience or there's they're having a a shared experience because of things going on around them. But it, it might be a little different for each one. But the point is, it's a spiritual experience that is then being interpreted through a person, how they see, how they feel, how they experience things. Mm-hmm. For instance, as someone who is sensitive to psychic energy, to spirit beings and things like that, there are times uh, we'll be driving past a cemetery, mm-hmm. right? And I will look mm-hmm. out that way because I sense spiritual energy over there. And while I'm not physically seeing human beings standing over there in the in the graveyard, I am in my mind's eye interpreting those sensations that I am feeling so that it's kind of a vision of what those people might look like. The idea is like reality is made up of two simultaneous input streams. Mm-hmm. One of those streams is tangible reality, physical stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of those streams is spiritual reality, intangible stuff. Mm-hmm. Your brain is receiving all of that input at the same time. Mm-hmm. But because we exist in tangible bodies, that's the input that is prioritized. Mm-hmm. Sometimes spiritual input gets mixed in with tangible input by your brain mm-hmm. because it's trying to interpret the information it's receiving. Now, this Does that is our theory. This is our, right. yeah, this is this our, is our unsubstantiated theory. theory. This is just our theory of why and how people have, have these experiences, these paranormal experiences or unexplained things like with whether it's with the fae mm-hmm. or with something like the slender man now which we'll right. get into when we start talking about that or, or the whatever. black eyed kids or, or any whatever. other kind of spiritual experience you have exactly. like when you see your gods or when you see the fae or when you see mm-hmm. you know dead humans or when you see whatever yeah all of those experiences are spiritual but you your brain interprets them in a sensory mm-hmm. way and i'm not saying like that's you- the hardware it has they're talking about Sasquatch in the, you know, in yeah, Bigfoot, the Discord. In the right, Discord. Yeah. I'm not saying that Sasquatch is not a physical animal, but I find it more likely that people are ex- having a paranormal experience I that think, they are interpreting based on all of the ethos that surrounds. I think few, if any, cryptids are physical, tangible creatures. I think most of them are spiritual experiences. And that's why you don't have physical evidence of them. Mm-hmm. Does that okay. make sense? So that would be make me the skeptic because I don't have those quote unquote spiritual experiences. I didn't even when I was in Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like okay. that was just never a big thing to me. Or, so. But you accept that other people have spiritual Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have no problem yeah. with people having them. Yeah. I just don't. So it makes me a skeptic in the, like, the broad sense of if somebody so, else so has you're it, like ag- I'm like, you're, okay. You're like agnostic to these kind of experiences. Right, exactly. Yeah, basically. You're not yeah. an atheist. To the, you're not saying that can't happen. Right. You just haven't personally experienced And let Correct. me reiterate yeah. again, this is just mine and Ode's personal. As we This is our theory of our how theory. this stuff works out. And what, what we're saying is people are having genuine, like genuine experiences. experiences. The experiences are real. They're just not tangible. Right, exactly. Right. They're real experiences. They are being Which is why we don't have actual... We don't have video evidence. We don't have fur exactly. or whatever. This yep. is, that's exactly it. That's why we don't have, and we'll probably never have, physical evidence now, of, of these experiences. Now, okay. I will say, as someone who was a ghost hunter, that I have been on enough, there have been enough unexplained happenings. happenings and Class A EVPs that I've heard to indicate that some things can interact or relate with 
tangible experience because like I have seen doors move. I've heard wrappings on the wall. Yeah. I've, you know, you've gotten a few interesting EVPs. I've gotten some like interesting, that. I've, I've seen that now it doesn't happen very often in the it's two, very, very rare. Yeah, in the two years that I was a paranormal investigator and acting as a medium for the group, I'd say maybe we had three or four yeah. genuine places that we could not come up with a, a logical explanation for what we experienced mm -hmm. and what we recorded. And Gwen was one of the most skeptical people in that I was, group. As the as medium. The medium. <laughs> she was constantly like, no, no, there's a draft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was the most skeptical of, of, and we had three mediums in that group, so it was really interesting. But generally, we were able to debunk what people were saying was happening and we would experience stuff and we would know this is why. But there were some genuine times where you couldn't find you could a, not find a yeah. logical reason. But so I do believe that sometimes these things do intersect. Two comments from Discord. Discord. One is Finn says, My experience with what I believe was a Sasquatch, there were three of us that heard the same thing at the exact same time. That does happen sometimes. Mm -hmm. You do sometimes have these overlapping these over experiences. Right, yep. Group, yep. Exactly. And that's where, you know, our theory of it being a spiritual experience does not necessarily apply to like a group. No, I think it still does. You think it does? I think it still does. I think a group can have a spiritual experience and together, it's yeah. together because the, the the spiritual experience has a broad enough band. Mm -hmm. But it's just a question of will everyone in that group be receptive to that or will their brain interpret it that way? This is going to sound terrible, but I can tell you on acid. Listen, it's, it's part my of your experience. History, yeah. Right, yeah. So on acid. Many of us had the exact same experience. We had, you know, fire trucks fly over top of us. And that's really interesting because you weren't consciously influencing each other to no, have these No, not at all. Yeah, so while I'm super skeptical mm -hmm. of these things under hallucinogenics, right. I totally get it. Which so, and, and, and maybe that's just people's brains being wired, wired differently. differently. Because yep. we've that's talked true. before about how, like, when we do drunk divinations, mm -hmm. right? It's it lowers inhibitions. It changes the way your brain functions a little yep. bit and makes it maybe easier to connect to that yep. kind of thing. And Finn um, is saying on his uh, Sasquatch thing, they were duck hunting. They were not squashed. Sasquatch <laughs> hunting when they the three of them experienced ducks yeah. are basically Sasquatches. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the bitch says, uh, "Sorry, Rana that says." That would be Rana. <laughs> and it's and she has named herself that for those who are just listening to us. <laughs> the ghost hunters record ghosts every week. Yeah, that's bullshit. Oh, 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 yeah, oh. that's that's entertainment that's, that's media. That's TV entertainment. Yeah. But I will say that I feel like experiences like what Finn is talking about ghost hunting experiences where you actually cannot explain what's going on with right. it. I think right. that those are times when things actually do manifest in the in the physical right. tangible realm. Now, my only caveat there is that those rare tangible manifestations tend not to be very strong. Yeah, yeah. They're not the kind of thing you see on movies. Yeah, movies is not, you know, you don't see people getting thrown up on the ceiling. And, and they're and not usually around. very clear, like like the EVP that you mm -hmm. have is not like the kind of EVP you would see in a movie. No, no, no not no. at all. Yeah. Exactly. But these are, this is what we're saying, though. And the other thing is I also, I think Mother Multiverse and I would be in agreement on this. I believe in, in mul the multiverse theory. Mm -hmm. And so I do believe that sometimes, you know, things intersect between realities. I also happen to believe in placement memory. I believe a lot of hauntings, a lot of uh, ghost sightings and experiences are actually not a, a ghost that is haunting in a individual active individual, individual sense, but it's the memory right. of an event or something that happened in the home or in the place that's being haunted. Sometimes we intersect 
and experience those place memories. For instance, there is a place in, there's a street in London where people have reported they'll be walking down and all of a sudden, instead of, you know, 21st century and cars and buses and everything going by, what they start seeing, they see horse-drawn carriages and people in period garb, period garb and stuff. And it only lasts... Or Jack the Ripper? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't... No, hopefully not. But it, and it only lasts for just long enough for them to look around and go, oh my God, what is this? And then they're back to their normal space-time. And so again, I think that is someone who is an, a sensitive individual right. who is actually intersecting with a place memory. Yeah. Gotcha. Rabbit says, I think the large amount of stuff that we now know as fact that hundreds of years ago was pure fantasy... There must be so much stuff now that we don't know that we might know it in the future. I think cryptics are known unknowns. Mm -hmm. And I think that there probably are things that are considered cryptids mm -hmm. um, that are just animals that haven't been identified yet. A few, yeah, a few. definitely a few. are. And we've act there have actually been a few instances of confirmation of like a quote-unquote cryptid that was just like a really fucked up bear or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. jackalope. Yeah, there have yeah. been a few that have been like they found, oh, this animal just had a mutation and it spooked some people in the dark. Yeah. Right. But so we wanted to go over this and, and kind of have this discussion so people would know where we were coming from right. when we're Our, talking. Exactly. Our position so, on this is like... Super interested, Gwen. Right. Mm -hmm. Somewhat skeptical, Ode. Right. Extremely skeptical, Car. Yeah. <laughs> we got the full range. We got the full, the full range. range. And then there's Jackson. Jackson back there just keeping his peace. I, I sort of agree with both of you, but I have this this sort of tangential theory to your guys is where the the thing that I keep thinking about is the way that special effects were done in the 50s, mm -hmm. where you would film something once and then film it again and layer one piece of film on top of the other. And that's the way I feel like a lot of these sort of spiritual events are happening. It's not necessarily happening on the same plane at the same time. You're sort of seeing that after image. Mm -hmm. So the reason why things have a tendency to look sort of faded or you only see it for a little bit at a time is you're not necessarily interacting with it directly. You're seeing a transference sheet of it. Oh, that's interesting. an interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And definitely the, the filmmaker. The filmmaker, yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> the filmmaker. Uh, so... Yeah. And that actually reminds me of, so something Gwen and I talked about is, I said earlier today, well, I'm 0% psychic. And she said, that's not true. You saw that ghost man in our house once. <laughs> and correct. I did and see a guy in the house once and drew a knife because I thought there was an intruder in the house. <laughs> I was like, I about that. yeah, yep. I was like 15 or something. And I, th I was like, there's a man I don't recognize in our house. I'm going to go get a knife out of the knife block. So I did that. <laughs> Still there when you came back? No, he was not. The scoobus. <laughs> Oh, it is 100% down to kill a bitch. Yes, I was prepared to defend my home and myself with the knife, if necessary. But there was no one there when I came back because there, it was not a real physical, tangible person. Right. But something that's interesting about that experience in retrospect is that although it felt to me at the time Super that I saw real. it very real, like there was a real physical human man right. in my house mm -hmm. where there should not have been one, at the same time, like trying to recall 
Identifying features. I, yeah, features like memory data about this person. I have very few visual characteristics that I can recall. Interesting. And so, Close. so like, I all I remember is he was wearing a hat. I don't remember what kind of hat. Okay. I don't. I think he was wearing like a suit, but I couldn't say definitively. And I remember almost nothing about his features. So it wasn't a Parisian pimp hat. <laughs> no, it was okay. just. It was like he had a kind of hat on. He was wearing clothes. He was a human man who was taller than me, and that's basically all the information that I retained about that experience, even though at the time it felt real enough that I was prepared to like get into a knife fight. And you were, you were felt uneasy by him. Mm -hmm. You had yeah. a sense of unease. It's possible. It could have been a shadow person known as the hat man. This is a, uh, I've never going, heard of this. <laughs> going into, going into our urban mythology uh -huh, and, and yeah, legends yeah. and things like that. I've seen a lot of shadow people over, you know, over my life, over, your, over time, over time. But there is one shadow person. I have never seen this particular entity, mm -hmm. but people do record seeing someone, something that you talk about is a humanoid. You cannot see his features mm -hmm. and he's wearing a hat, a hat and looks like maybe some kind of a suit or a coat. But there is a sense of fear or malevolence or unease. Yeah, I felt very threatened. <laughs> threatening. This is, and they call him. Mm -hmm. He is known by uh, people who talk about shadow people as the hat man. Because he always appears. He's different from other shadow people. Other shadow people tend to just kind of walk through the room. Mm -hmm. He will stand there. And yeah, he was. I, I, so literally, this is this is funny because I haven't heard of this. And I really don't follow because it, 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 it has seems the like a masculine um, right, yep. profile. I, I don't really follow shadow people mythology or lore or anything, so I'm, I'm unfamiliar with this one. But basically what happened was mm -hmm. I walked down the stairs mm -hmm. into what I always called the piano room because it was a living room that had a piano in it. Mm -hmm. And he was standing by, like, in front of the piano yeah. mm -hmm. and just stood there while I went into the kitchen and got a knife and yeah. then was gone when I came back. Yeah, so the, to me, that has, like, originally I would have thought maybe it might have been my grandfather or it might have been a spirit coming to talk to me. But because of how you're describing it, mm -hmm. and now I I hadn't heard of the Hat Man until recently when I started ah, listening to looking into this, looking looking into this. I've seen shadow people, right. but I've never but seen the, the hat, that Hat Man. Right. And he definitely is one that people report. There's a sense of fear, dread, hmm. um, you know, that kind of stuff. And he's menacing. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Rhiannon Gray said, "Oh fuck no, that makes me think of the Hat Man, the cryptid." <laughs> <laughs> and then, yup. <laughs> When yeah. Gwen started explaining so it. So apparently, uh, yeah, yeah. about that one ahead yeah. of time. So yeah. some people think of him as a cryptid. Some people think of him connected with a, a shadow, shadow person. person. But there is kind of a malevolence to him. Right. But I've never experienced him, so it's interesting that you did. Yeah. Because like I said, I, I, I usually say that I'm not psychic because I have very few of these, like, mm -hmm. these visual experience right right but see my personal belief is everyone has at least a little bit of psychic ability it's just whether they're tuned into it or not mm -hmm. right. or if they just explain away what they've experienced and that's the other things i think um quite a few urban legends especially the paranormal ones are actually going to be sensitive people having experiences they don't have another avenue to explain mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. our tiger r darren is offering intuitive readings and divination with over a decade of experience working with spirit, tarot, runes, and tea leaves, make an appointment for a reading with our Darren on Facebook at our Darren Auguries or find them on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash our Darren Auguries. That's spelled A-R-D-E-R-I-N-A-U-G-U-R-I-E-S.
are Darren Auguries. So it really just depends on how you process an event. Yeah. And there are I, and there are people who are probably most likely like Carr, mm -hmm. who they may experience something and then find a way to, to rationalize, to rationalize it. it. Or who just their brain doesn't or they just don't just doesn't interpret that. Yeah. Like well, it gets that input and then just doesn't send it anymore. That said, I think that I have the audio version, so Claire audience. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Right? Because I hear stuff. Yeah. But it's normally in the form of music. Yeah. Oh, that's so right. it'll come to me as a song. Yeah. And I'm like, holy fuck, that makes total that's sense. That's relevant with, to this situation. Right, that's yeah. relevant to this situation. See, the more he drinks, the more open he gets. <laughs> <laughs> I would have talked about this anyway, but... So I think I have that, but it's different than, like, hearing some random thought form speak to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? So I'll get a song that goes along with... Not necessarily what I'm seeing, but what's what's going on what's, in life. Yeah, that's your so, yep, your, that's your intuition it, interprets through music. Uh, so let's go ahead yes, and dive so, into. So Gwen, go ahead and talk okay. about the Black Eyed Kids because I know that's your fave. Oh yeah, it is my favorite. And you bought I, an entire book about it. I did. did, and it's I'm only about halfway through because there's so much information. It's called Black Eyed Children by David Weatherly. That's right, and this is actually the updated version, mm. the revised edition. Yeah, it's like the 10 year anniversary mm. edition. Wow. Mm -hmm. Who knew? Okay, yeah, so me. the modern understanding of black-eyed kids mm -hmm. and that has kind of hit the internet and people are talking about came about in around 2009 when a, a reporter for he he worked for uh, you know still works as a reporter for a newspaper he was just out do like you know like Finn was saying he was out duck hunting with some uh -huh. friends and they ran across doing other stuff doing other yeah. stuff so he was out it was kind of late he had to pay a bill. And the plate, and this was 2009. And so he was writing a check. He was sitting in his car across from the movie theater mm -hmm. and near the place where the Dropbox was where he could write his check and leave his payment. And what happened was as he was writing, he looked up and right next to his window, mm -hmm. there were these kids just out of nowhere. Just I, I think I've read this account. Yeah, yeah, he just, this is the most, uh, the one that most people cite because it's been all over the internet. Okay. For, since 2009. He said they were probably 13, 14 year olds, maybe. Rana says, fuck that shit. I don't want two right. fucking kids standing outside my car. Yeah, and they were just suddenly there out of nowhere. He looks up and there they are. And they, you know, he rolled down his window a little and, you know, <laughs> and he's like, do you need help? Do, you know, and they said, I'm paraphrasing, but the, essentially the, it was, we need to go to the movies. We want you to take us home to get money. And it was that kind of delivery. A delivery. It was very, it was, and it, actually it was like very monotone. Not a, an asking, but a no, telling. No, it was a telling. Here's right, the, yeah. here's what's going to happen. Yes. Right, yeah. We need you to take us to our house to get money so we can go to the movies. So from the moment he noticed them standing next to his car, and he said they were in kind of clothes that were a little bit, oversized they were kind of thin they had palish skin that's the that's the thing that seems to be consistent is they don't yeah. look well cared for they don't and they they um and they always speak with a very monotone commanding kind of voice and he was trying to rationalize this and he's like well what movie do you want to see and they gave him an answer they wanted to see relevant to the time relevant yeah. to the time and he happened to look up at the marquee and he noticed it was already playing so even if he had taken them home to get money, see a word in the on a like a piece of trash in the trash can and use that as your cover story, right. kind of a. So he had looked away to look at the marquee and then had turned back to them. And when the, he turned back, he noticed their eyes, and their eyes were completely black. As coal. 
like shiny black pools is usually how it's described. And he was completely unnerved, terrified. And the thing is, he was actually going for the door handle to let them in Mm -hmm. without realizing what he was doing. That's the other thing that's consistent is people feel compelled to obey. To obey, even though they're unexplicably frightened they uh, a lot of times they don't notice the black eyes at first. It's almost as if that they're hypnotized. Mm-hmm. But if something draws their attention away and they look back, then they see the eyes and that freaks them the fuck out. And they usually GTFO. Scoobus has a scary related story. Says in real life, had a kid stand outside my car when I got home and invite me in for lemonade. I have not seen this child before or since. At least the kid I saw had normal blue eyes. Yeah, yeah. At least when you thought you At saw them. At least, exactly. Yeah, but exactly. did you, like, did look, you away look away and look, away look, back? look back? Yeah. So anyway, he freaked the fuck out when he realized he was actually going to let them in, mm-hmm. when he realized what he was doing unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And so they started to be like, let us in. So he got his car going, didn't even worry about making his payment. He just got his car going and backed the fuck up and left. Got out of Dodge. Got out GTFO. and he GTFO'd and as he looked in the mirror, they were gone. Mm-hmm. Right? As soon, I mean, mm-hmm. he said there was could not... Could not have gone anywhere. Could not have gone anywhere in the time frame between when he GTFO'd and he looked in his mirror and they were just gone. And it unnerved him so much. And this is something that people who have experienced Black Eyed Kids... Um, have said is that they can never forget the experience. They they can't seem to get over the fear. Mm-hmm. They can't seem to get over the the how unnerving their eyes were. Right. And they all uh, say that at some point they feel either rooted to the spot and unable to move away, or they feel like they are going to they are being compelled to obey. Like that old myth about how snakes can hypnotize yeah. rodents. So there does seem to be um, in in all of the cases that are verified and not just stories, because there was a whole right, bunch yeah. of yeah, you know, bunch of creepy pastas, yeah. a bunch of creepy pastas, explicit about this. fiction. But the book that I have, uh, he actually spoke to the people that he he interviewed these people. So he has firsthand accounts. He has firsthand accounts. Some of the the characteristics characteristics of and the most common features of a black eyed kid or black eyed children experience or encounter. They appear suddenly at the door of your home, your apartment, your hotel room, or your car. They usually have some kind of tale of distress. They need a ride. They need to make a phone call. They need you to take them to get money. But they always need to get into your car, into your home. Into your space. Into your space. And they always say... You have to let us in. They always ask for permission. They're like vampires. Yes, in a way. That's actually one of the theories. They they always are polite, seemingly, but their speech and mannerism and clothes are out of date and odd. Mm-hmm. They most sometimes you'll see them as singular, mm-hmm. uh, just one kid. But they often come. But they often like come in pairs or groups. or groups of two or three. They a large percentage of them have been seen in the United States, um, but they have been witnessed worldwide including the uk australia south africa and iraq have they been seen in iraq by english speaking i don't know that this is my question is this an english-speaking world phenomenon or is this that's something that my research hasn't shown okay so i don't i can't answer that question but most common features they have black eyes pupil and sclera or the white of the eye is solid black and it's often um Described as being shiny or like just a, a reflective. reflective pool of black. They are very pale or pasty looking or look like they have 
uh, makeup on to make them look like normal, like um, mm. stage makeup. Yes, no, like makeup to make them look normal. Yeah, even though they're pasty uh, underneath. Yeah, so a, a skin tone that looks unnatural or spray painted. Hmm. So like a lot of times they they're described as having olive skin. But it doesn't look like natural. It looks like somebody spray painted them. So they like look, they're normally very pale, but they got that spray tan. Yeah, that. it looks weird. Their clothing is usually ill-fitting. Um, sometimes it's old-fashioned. Sometimes it can be newer, like hoodies and jeans. But it's almost always basic colors, kind of baggy, dingy-looking. So ratty clothes. Ratty clothes. Sometimes they're shoeless, especially if it's so like Joe ones. Jackson. <laughs> Funny. No. Yeah, <laughs> jokes. Sometimes. Sometimes it's like, especially if it's smaller children, like mm -hmm. they've been known to be seen from as young as age six up to about age 16. Mm -hmm. And it's usually the ones that are six to 10 that uh, sometimes people report seeing them as barefoot. Mm -hmm. I've read some cases where like it's a cold night and they're they're not wearing. They're and wearing like, like short sleeves. Yeah, they're wearing short sleeves and stuff. So inappropriate clothing for the weather. Right. That kind of thing. It was, it, the witnesses say it was like they were trying to fit in, but it just doesn't come off right. You know? So like they've got a surface level understanding of what the culture should be. Yes. And then their language tends to be things like this. Just let us in. And these are quotes. Just let us in. This won't take long. We'll just stay for a bit. We're only kids. Don't worry about it. When people start saying no, they start getting more forceful, and they'll be like... Mm -hmm. I mean, this won't take long is fucking creepy I was just saying, this won't take long is ominous. Yeah. yeah. What won't take long, small black-eyed child? <laughs> right? My death? Yeah, and it's always insistent that they need to come in. That's always, you know, they need to get in yeah, the car. Yeah, because they got to kill you. They don't respond to questions. They just keep repeating the request to come in. But that original one did respond to questions. That's true. That's true. He did. They were like, yes, movie. So we this want is, to see movie X. It's yeah. there. <laughs> so let's just say generally they don't. Okay. And people are always unnerved, shaking physically after the encounter, to the point where, and to the point where they cannot get over it. I mean, they are, have been witnessed by police officers, military people who, um, you know, people who are trained for uh, combat, you know, in emergency situations who are totally freaked the fuck out by their or like, like even like the thing is like, you'd think a paramedic seeing a yeah. small child who appears to be in distress would be like, yes, I know how to handle this situation. Yeah. Yeah, Scuba says, combat and spook, very different skill sets. I agree. I don't think being combat trained is necessarily like, going to help you in a... And um, they tend to, uh, they appear suddenly and disappear suddenly. So, and people will look for them and, you know, there's just, there's no evidence that anyone was ever there. Right. There are theories. They are technically not considered cryptids because they are in human form. Right. But the, some of the theories... I like that phrasing. They're in human form. form. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Some people believe they're just straight up aliens who are masquerading as humans. Badly. Badly. Some people so believe... So that would be the, the people who, like, greys are supposed to be, like, smaller than humans. Right. So they'd be like, these are adult greys pretending to be human children. Yeah, that's kind of it. Some people think it could be alien-human hybrids going to that idea of people getting abducted. Right. And this is the result. There does seem to be some association with some of them with men in black. There, there's this... I'll tell you one account where somebody actually saw men in black with some... Come and abscond yeah. with a child? Yep. Yeah. Um, some people believe they are demons or evil entities, ghosts or spirits of deceased children, or some other form of entity. Can I read a couple yes, of comments? Yes, there have been some hilarious ones. So Scuba says, she was not there when I looked down, and then she was there 
And I don't remember seeing her walk away. This is about Scubus's blue-eyed child experience. Yeah, but yeah. was the, were the eyes really blue though? Right. Yeah. Yep. And that because that's the thing. People say they don't. On the first look, on they the don't first look, they don't seem right. They don't see the black eyes. Rana said, "Please tell me there are no reports of these creepy fucking kids hanging out when people need to get up and pee at three a.m." Yes, there because are. Yes, I have to sleep. And I have to pee. But but they can, they'll be outside your house, and right, so you yeah. just ignore them. Finn said, "If I ever see one of those creepy little fuckers, there will be two movements: a <laughs> physical movement and a bowel movement." <laughs> <laughs> there, there's not usually a lot of connecting factors between witnesses. You know, okay. they except for one. The only one that he could find is that a lot of people are either in some are in some kind of service role. A lot of the witnesses, so they might So be, maybe they're people who are most likely to respond to, to a child in distress. Okay. Exactly. The there are things that you need to know about black-eyed children. If you see one, do not don't let them in. Ever let them in. All the people that have reported seeing black-eyed children, they have somehow been able to they shut their door, they they mm-hmm. move their car, they they you know they get away from the black-eyed child in some way. There was a lady, though, who um, she, it was around midnight in her home. She and her husband were up late, you know, watching TV or something. Up a normal time. Up a normal time. They came knocking at the door, and she's like, who is knocking on our door at midnight? So her husband went to get the door, and he opened it, and she heard him talking. So she was like, what on earth? And he came, and there were these children. Uh, He let them come in the house. Uh-oh, that's your first mistake. Yeah, and so she went to get Coco, and she said she felt weird. They they kind of scared her, and she was freaked out, but they, he allowed them to come in, and he sat them down. He was asking them questions, and the only thing they would say is, this won't take long. Our parents are will be here soon. And when she came back in, her husband had his head in his hands, and his nose was bleeding. And the, kids, the, kids? the kids were still sitting there, right. but then they got up and said, we need to go to the bathroom. And so they went together to the bathroom. bathroom. She's trying to find out what's wrong with her husband. He doesn't know. And then they came out and said, our parents are here. And they just left. And she looked out and out the door, there was a black car with two men in black suits. Waiting to retrieve the children. And they got in the car and they left. Damn it, (laughs) J&K. So I don't know if this is a true story or, or what, but this is one of the don't let them into your house. Because after that... Her husband, she had four cats. All of them ended up dead. And the cats were, the animals were afraid of the children. Mm. Her husband ended up getting some kind of cancer. And she has had health troubles as well. Mm -hmm. So her thing was, if you... So even if the kids don't actually do anything to you... At the moment, right, yeah, and that comes. seems to be that does seem to be a common thing. Sort of long-term deleterious um, effects. Yeah, of the few that have let them into their homes or into their car, there does seem to be physical illness or some bad luck. So Magara says, yeah, if you let them in, bad shit happens to you. Anyone who shares your house, they usually get picked up a little later by a car, and your household will experience illnesses and death, most commonly yes. cancer. Also. Auntie M went to bed. Several people said, really, Auntie, you can sleep now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's the other thing I wanted to say about black-eyed children. Most of the encounters tend to be at night, especially if they're in your home or their hotel room, you know, outside your hotel room. Right. And most of them, not all, but most. Now, Rana asks an important question. My issue with these kinds of stories is what is the end goal of the kids? Mm -hmm. Why would whatever they are do what they are doing? And that is the question. Nobody really knows if it's a trickster spirit, if it's a demonic entity. 
nobody really understands or knows because most people do not let them right. in. And but, the question is, is it men in black or are the parents right? some Something other else. kind of like higher... High, yeah. yeah. Are they grown-up, black-eyed children? Right, yeah. And the whole thing is, you know, like, was the woman who recounted this story, was it an actual true mm -hmm. event or was it a made-up story? This author did find family members of someone who did have an experience in the 1950s as a teenager. He was walking home. He lived out in the rural Virginia. His family had a farm. He was walking home, and as he came up to the fence of, of his property, there was about a 10-year-old kid kind of just standing there. He was a friendly guy, so he's like, hey, how you doing, kind of thing. And the kid didn't respond, so he thought, and he was kind of looking down, so he thought maybe something was wrong because a little kid. So he said, hey, are you okay? And that's when the kid lifted his face. He had solid black eyes, and he said, I want to go to your house. Take me to your house. And the kid freaked the fuck out. And he's like, the human, the, kid. the human kid, the teenager is feeling terrified. And, and he's also one of these, I, I wanted to leave, but I couldn't kind of thing. Because the kid kept saying, take me to your house. He even thought to himself, I'm going to run. And the boy said, you don't need to run away from me. I'm just a kid. Take me to your house. And so that had the kid GTFOing to his family farm. He ran as fast as he could. I feel like the problem with this mm -hmm. is that if the child is saying, take me to your house, and then you run to your house, you have effectively taken the child, child to your house. To your house. <laughs> so he's running like a bat out of hell. He hears an angry scream that almost sounds like a bobcat scream. You know, it was so high and shrill and animalistic is how he described it. Gets into his house, slams the door. His parents, bless them, are like, are you okay? What's wrong? And he tells them. And because he apparently was a very truthful young man, they believed they him on him the spot. Yeah. They, they took him at his word. His dad actually went out with a gun. With a shotgun. With a like, shotgun. Get off of my property. Yeah. Well, also, he had potentially heard a cougar or bobcat mm -hmm. or something. So he took a gun out there. Nothing was out there. There was absolutely nothing. The mom thought it was a devil, and she made him go get dressed and took him to church. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. And have a blessing. Now, yes. most of these stories, from my understanding, do usually end with, if you don't let the kid in that first time, they will stop showing up. Yeah, they don't keep showing up. Like, if they don't get in the first time, there must be some kind of, like, rule in place that they can't keep yeah, harassing just, you. However, however, there have been some encounters where, and again, it's, is it true, is it not, where people say they um, they keep knocking at the door until morning. But, like, then the next night they don't but come back. But the next back. night, yeah, they don't keep coming so you back. Only have to, you only have to weather a black-eyed yeah. child once. Yeah, just so long as you, you don't let them in during that, that initial encounter. And they may terrorize you for a little right. while. That does seem to be a rule, and nobody really understands why. Scuba says, Scuba's, well, yeah. that's a fucking relief. So, yeah. so Scuba's earlier said malevolent spirits in training, or maybe it's like Mormon evangelists. they got to go annoy people for X amount of time as part of their religion. Yeah. Or what have you. And that's where the, the vampire thing comes along. Some people are saying because they have, they seem to have this rule, like a vampire can't come right. into your Must space be invited and be invited. In. Yeah, yeah. So that's why, you know, some people think they're vampires. I think they're just some kind of paranormal they, creature. Given what... The effects are from that one story of them mm. actually coming into the house. They can't be like vampire vampires, no, uh -uh. but they could be maybe energy vampires. Something because the people, the people do tend to bad luck and bad health, you know, their health right. deteriorates. And I do want to mention that um, while there are not specifically 
uh, tales or legends in other countries specifically about black-eyed kids, there have been reports of things like in China, they have uh, hungry ghosts. And in Japan, they have vengeful ghosts. And they're often described as having black eyes or something or distorted eyes. But they're not kids. I think... Fucked up eyes is just a common trope in yeah. all of these, honestly. Yeah. It totally is. Because two of the ones I found have that. Tell us about the, Tell ones, us you about found, the ones you found. So two of the three I found have that. And because I went old school, I went Celtic. Hey. <laughs> because that's who I am. That's right. The classics. Yep. We'll field this question from Ron who yep. asked, okay, good. do we believe in vampires? <laughs> I believe in energy vampires. Uh, and I think that in that case, vampire is just being used as like a, a convenient catch-all yeah. phrase for like... An energy consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some people who um, they believe themselves to be vampires and they do drink blood. Yes, but that kills them because yes. drinking blood is actually extremely bad it's for bad human beings. bad for you. It will, it will fuck up all your organs. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't drink blood. No, I do not believe that there are like Dracula vampires. Yeah. So two I found were the Banshee. Okay. Yeah. Which we've talked about yeah. before. The yeah. classic. But the Banshee has red, red eyes. Oh, I didn't know that. That look like they're bleeding. Ooh, that's interesting. So I did not know that. So that one was a, like, it was, I mean, we've talked about the Banshee before, so I don't need to reiterate it. Right, but, she do the shriek. Right, yep. Shriek. But apparently the other thing is the red eyes. I didn't know that. Right. And so then I also found the Puka. Mm, tell us about the Puka. So the Puka is the bringer of good and bad in Irish folklore. So they have white hair. And they have golden eyes. Mm. So, I, you know, you brought up the fact that the eyes thing's a big deal. Uh-huh. So, you know, black-eyed children, mm-hmm. golden-eyed puka. Red-eyed banshee, puka, gold-eyed red, puka. Right, exactly. And pukas usually take the form of, like, animals, right? Mm-hmm. Like yes. cats or yep. rabbits. Normally a or, dog, yeah. Okay, dogs. Yep, yep. So, like, you see a white rabbit or a white dog or whatever with, with normal eyes, eyes, and right. that's fine. But if yep. it got golden eyes... That's right. Then you're fucked. Then you're fucked. Ooh, yep. We had a puka on our porch last night. <laughs> um, no, there's actually, we were talking about the Kentucky goblins and some of the goblin sightings in yeah. um, North Carolina and Virginia and those areas. There's actually a story that I heard on one of these podcasts. All right. So this man was talking about when his sister was young, she was probably 10 or 11 years old. They were at their grandma's home and she saw what looked like a little person, but was what, or a little creature rather, because she said it it was hairy, Mm -hmm. but it was on two legs. She could tell it was like a, a, not a normal animal. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like a, she described it as a creature that had like blondish hair or white hair or something. And it was crawling. It was like climbing over the fence from her grandma's property out into a field and then running away. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, on two little legs. Probably stood, you know, like two or three feet high kind of thing. That's totally a puka. Yeah. That was my thing. That yeah, like it's, a it's, it's definitely a puka. She a called it a goblin because she didn't know what she didn't it was. Know what right, she was yeah, yeah. And, there was let, and there was lore in that area about, about goblins. goblins. Yep. And because, you know, and so... And apparently, um, there's a lot of caves underneath, you know, North Carolina, Kentucky, all those areas. And so there's a lot, there have been over the years, a lot of sightings of what they call goblins. I wonder how many times they're at, and we want it's actually a puka. puka. It's actually a puka or something of that nature. Rana said, I would call it a gnome. That does sound like a puka, though. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking. And I wonder how many times, like, (laughs) I was telling, oh. We've talked about this before, yeah. We think a lot of these sightings are actually fae and things like that. Our tiger, Jim Two Snakes, has spent most of the past three decades providing spiritual and emotional support for individuals that are looking for accountability 
wisdom, and safe, supportive space while they discover how to walk their own path. Jim is now offering his spiritual dad service in a Patreon structure. This informal program includes regular contact with Jim and specific guidance on what's going on in your life right now, along with talking stick monthly meetings for some levels and regular phone calls ranging from one to four times a month at other levels. Jim will help you with goal setting, ritual and energetic practice ideas, teaching, suggestions, support, and accountability in whatever you want to accomplish. And because it's your path, he will adapt his suggestions to suit what works best for you. It's called Spiritual Dad, but there's no age limit. We all need a spiritual and emotional support. Find out more at jimtwosnakes.net or on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash spiritual dad. Okay, so now time to yes. go on to Slenderman. Time to discuss Slenderman, who is my favorite. So Slenderman is, we know for sure, the origin of Slenderman. Yes. Slender Man was created on the Something Awful forums in 2009 by a man named Eric Knudsen under the pseudonym Victor Surge. That was his username on the Something Awful forums. There was a Photoshop challenge thread on the Something Awful forums to create a fake paranormal photo. Mm -hmm. So people were making fake ghost sightings and things like that. They right. were photoshopping to see who could create the best, you know, fake paranormal photo. Sure. And Victor Surge, Eric Knudsen, created two photos of the first instances of Slender Man. Mm -hmm. uh, so most people had just been putting up their edits. Mm -hmm. He put up his edits that looked like they were old photos. And he put little supposed excerpts from uh, the archives they'd been found in. Mm -hmm. And in the process of doing so, he created this Slender Man narrative. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people in the thread thought this was great. It was the most interesting one they'd seen so far. And they started building onto the narrative. Mm -hmm. So one of the earliest editions was another user created a fake woodcut of Slender Man that was, that was supposed to be from the Black Forest area of Germany in like the 1600s. There, it, it was a woodcut of Der Grossmann, which was supposed to be the tall man. And that was supposed to have been an earlier instance of this same Slender Man figure. And something interesting actually, and something that built up the mythology of Slender Man is that the fake Der Grossmann woodcut had some superficial similarities to a real woodcut mm -hmm. called Der Ritter, which is the knight in German, and that was by Hans Holbein. And in that actual real woodcut, it's a an image of a knight being slain by a skeleton who's supposed to represent death, but the death figure has a really undefined face that doesn't really look like a skull. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of looks blank and featureless. And the limbs are at really strange angles. Mm -hmm. And so it bore a, a similarity. It was the probably the inspiration for the Der Grossmann fake woodcut. Mm -hmm. So building that extra bit of mythology on the Slender Man allowed it to be tied into real, actual, ancient, this, this actual 16th century woodcut. And that sort of allowed the mythology to metastasize. And build. Right? And as it grew out, especially as it left the Something Awful forums and grew out into the rest of the internet, as it was picked up in creepypastas, as it was found on other forums, it grew and built this new mythology about itself 
that was sort of evolving and building more stories mm -hmm. as opposed to just these images. And became more intricate. Became more intricate, became, it started feeling more like authentic folklore instead of uh, this fake creepypasta, which was how it started. It started as this entry to this fake Photoshop thread. So the sort of mythology, the accepted mythology of the Slender Man is that it was some kind of spirit that was born in the Black Forest in Germany, mm -hmm. that it had sort of a boogeyman aspect where it would kidnap children or stalk children who had misbehaved until they would tell their parents what they had done and would own up to it, and then the, the Derek Grossman would leave them alone. Mm -hmm. And the spooky aspect of Derek Grossman or the Slender Man was that it, there were a few like standard fates you would meet if mm -hmm. you encountered Slenderman, which were uh, either you would be dismembered and hung up in, from trees in like a like a sack. Okay, <laughs> that's pleasant. Like a burlap sack. Der Grossman and the Slenderman were supposed to be attached to the woods in some way because they'd come out of the Black Forest. So you'd be kidnapped from your home, dismembered, and put in a burlap sack and sack and hung from trees in the nearest woodland. So, like, different parts of you in different sacks? Yes. Okay. Okay. Just checking. And then, yes. <laughs> and so, so that was... <laughs> details are important. <laughs> that was one potential fate. Another potential fate was that it would somehow start a fire. The Slender Man itself wouldn't start the fire, but a fire would result mm -hmm. that would kill children, mm -hmm. um, either in a home or one of the original photos that Eric Knudsen created was supposed to have been a library, a, a photo of like a children's stay at a library, okay. where the library had burned down and 12 children had died. Mm -hmm. So the fires were attached to the Slender Man mythology that way. And then the third potential fate was that you would just disappear right and nothing would ever be heard of you again mm -hmm. if you were being stalked by the slender man or by Derek Grossman. right so Rhiannon says this brings back so many memories of my early teens I was a genuine believer in old slendy <laughs> uh, Mackenzie says anyone else probably having nightmares that's unfortunate Finn says and here I am sitting outside by a fire fuck this shit <laughs> Uh, so I do have a couple of questions. Okay. What year did this come out? 2009, 2009 right? was when the mm -hmm. original thread happened. So Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Hush, 1999. That's mm -hmm. what Scubus is bringing up. Yeah. Slender Man. Yep, that was probably an inspiration. inspiration. Uh, Eric Knudsen has actually um, cited his inspirations. He yep. was inspired by a number of horror films okay. and, and classic. Yeah, and so a was of Buffy a part of it? Um, I don't remember if it was a specific source, but if probably, it should be, yeah. it should be. Yep. Guillermo del Toro's 2006 Pan's Labyrinth. Mm. Similar, yeah, with the very tall... Very yeah. tall, but with the eyes Long and the gangly. hands. Yeah. So I guess I haven't actually described Slenderman. The description of Slenderman, if you're not familiar with him, is he's a very, very tall, usually like half again or twice the height of like a normal human man, yep. who wears a suit... Mm -hmm. He's his limbs, especially his arms, are very long. Snappy dresser. Snappy dresser. He wears a suit. Sometimes has tentacles, or sometimes his arms become tentacles, depending depending on on the representation. And he has extremely white features, very like paper white, yeah, and no facial features. Face. Right. So he yeah. has a face like a head. That's a normal human head size that you would kind, expect, and you, you can, can sort kind of, of you get, can the get the idea impression. of yeah, you can get the facial impression features, of but you don't features, see them exactly. But but they're just sort of smudged. 
Mm-hmm. Like they're not real. Yeah. yeah. Like somebody's um, taken an eraser too. Yeah. And yeah. just erased out all the features. So that's the description of Slenderman. And that's based on the original photos mm-hmm. that Eric Knudsen created. So as, so after 2009, when it, he was created by 2010, had sort of really infiltrated the internet and was showing up in a lot of different places. And eventually there was a video series called Marble Hornets on YouTube. Marvel or Marble? Marble. Marble, The stone. Marble Hornets. And this was an ARG, which is an alternate reality game. So it had a YouTube series. It had an attached Twitter account. It had a secondary YouTube channel. And it interacted with fans. And they participated in trying to solve puzzles and things to figure out what was happening. Mm -hmm. And... The Slender Man was the central antagonist of the Marble Hornets series. But they, because Slender Man technically belongs to Eric Knudsen, they took the concept of the Slender Man and sort of nudged it sideways. So their character was technically called the Operator. He had a symbol, which was a circle with an X drawn through it, Mm -hmm. which was the Operator symbol. Very similar to a sigil, which sort of summoned him or indicated his presence. People who had been affected by the Operator would sort of compulsively draw the Operator symbol. Mm -hmm. This was the first, the earliest instance of the Operator, or Slender Man, creating a physical effect in people who were affected by him, called operator sickness or slender sickness mm-hmm. where you would become paranoid and you would start having nightmares or hallucinations um, and you would you would develop this racking cough and nosebleeds and that kind of thing. So it would degrade your health in mm-hmm. some way. Kind of like black-eyed kids. Similar, or, yeah. Or COVID. Or COVID, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, the presence of the operator was supposed to, to sort of degrade your health and your mental condition. Right. And... Prolonged exposure to the operator was supposed to cause you to become, if you didn't die, a proxy. An operator proxy was a human being who had essentially become a minion of Slenderman and would do Slenderman's bidding. Right. So that became added to the mythology after Marble Hornets. And that sort of extra mythology became really widely accepted because Marble Hornets was probably the the best known and the, the had the widest exposure of the Slender Man mythologies. And that sort of stuff was picked up by other ARG games like Everyman Hybrid and Tribe 12 uh, and a couple of other smaller ones. Those are sort of the big three Slender Man yeah. stories. But all of that mythology really coalesced. So, so there are a few like divergent threads. There's like a a thread where Slenderman is more benevolent and doesn't attack children, but just kind of like observes them. Not nearly as much fun. Go mm-hmm. ahead. There's a, a thread where Slenderman is much more um, active with pursuit. Mm-hmm. And so like uh, in the original Slenderman mythology, you just sort of see him standing there a bit like the hat man, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You just sort of see him standing there and you very rarely see him acting to kill anyone or to cause any harm. He just sort of is present in the background. Right. But there are, there's a thread of Slenderman where he's much more active and pursues people. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, so there are these different Slenderman variations, right. depending on which bit of the mythology you pursue. Right. Now, one of the reasons we want to talk about Slenderman is that while we know his origin. Right. We know for, we a, know fact, for a fact, Slenderman is fiction. Yeah, unlike with... He was fictionally created, intentionally, by a person. And there are some people who really do believe that the Slender Man 
spirit or spirit of Slender Man actually acted through the artist who created him. Yeah. And to Scubis, bring him to life. Scoobus says accurately, so was Captain Vector. Exactly. This is this is where oh my exactly gosh. this exactly. is where Gwen and I sort of are on Slender Man. Yep. We think that in the same way that Captain Vector, created by Mother Multiverse, is an entity who's who's brought himself into existence by increasing awareness of himself. The Slender Man, although not intentionally designed that way, the mm -hmm. way Captain Vector was. The way that Slender Man's mythology has been communalized mm -hmm. and evolved and has evolved and grown and become really sort of embedded in cultural consciousness, we think there's a possibility that Slender Man has become uh, essentially an egregore, which mm -hmm. is a group thought form. Exactly. And in fact, I, I, cannot, I tried to find the podcast I heard this mm -hmm. story on, but I, I cannot remember where I found it because I've listened to so many in the last month. But there was one who claimed to have a story from a woman who was having a, uh, basically a birthday party for yeah. her nephew. And her nephew was a big fan of Slender Man. So she... So and they, did, they put together a Slender Man birthday party. Yeah, basically. they put together a Slender Man birthday party. Which is hilarious. They, were gonna ha they had this party out in the woods at their cabin. She and her two brothers, so the uncles of this kid... Mm -hmm were going to, they set up this elaborate party and they were like sixth and sixth and seventh graders, mm -hmm. you know, 12 and 13 year olds. They were going to go on a, a big scavenger hunt and they mm -hmm. had to find clues. And the two brothers yes. were going to pose as Slender Man to spook the kids as they were yeah. on their, on their hunt. Right. So they'd gotten suits and the face masks and everything. And they were going right. to just stand around and be ominous. Exactly. Well, all the kids, you know, came back. Everybody had a great time and had a lot of fun with the party. Mm -hmm. But then one of the brothers came to his sister and said, where'd you get the third Slender Man from? And she's like, there's only two of us. There's only two of us. Where'd the third guy come from? And she's like, what are you talking about? What third guy? And, what third guy? And the kids said, yeah, I saw a Slender Man, blah, blah. You know, and so the, all of them corroborated uh -huh. that while there, there had were, been three Slender that there had been three Slender Men out in the woods during that party. <laughs> and she goes, I but have only, no exclamation. Only to confirm. Only to confirm. And she confirmed for the, the person <laughs> that she told the story to, the host. She said, you know, the only people who knew about the plans for the party were her brother or her brothers and herself. Mm -hmm. She, you know, she told the parents what kind of, that they were having a, a theme, scavenger a hunt. scavenger hunt, you know, and, and they knew all that. But, Nobody else knew that somebody that her brothers were going to pose as Slender Man, mm -hmm. and so they have no idea where this third, where slender, third slender Man came, came from. from. And and so for her, that was like, did we, you know, because of what we were doing, did we draw him in? Right. And uh, a real slender. Yeah, and it spooked some of the kids mm -hmm. out, you know, to have this the Slender Man out in the yeah. in the thing. So yeah, uh, a lot of people on chat are saying, "Thanks, I hate it." <laughs> nope. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it's interesting because I think there, from what I was hearing, there are a lot of people who do believe that Slender Man mm -hmm. exists. There's, there's, um, in the, the, so the Slender Man community, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, generally the, the overwhelming majority, except that like, we know the origins of Slender Man, right, Slender right. Man is a fictional being, but simultaneously as they acknowledge that Slender Man is a fictional being, they, in their own words, suspend their disbelief. Yeah. 
and accept for the for the sake of slender mythology that right. slender man is real and i think that acknowledgement mm -hmm. of these is people enough. exactly i think these people who like they know consciously that slender man is fake but they choose to accept the reality where slender man yeah. is real and i think enough people have done that over enough time yep. that they've altered reality and now, okay. I think now mackenzie so, did say but no one died supposedly after the scavenger hunt right. so that's true exactly they just got a little extra spooked yep and then uh, Rana says that's literally the same as standing in front of a bathroom mirror chanting Bloody Mary. It's yeah. exactly the same thing. Rana says, do I believe in Bloody Mary? No. Am I going to invite her to tea? Fuck no. And are you going to stand in front of a mirror and chant her name three times in a dark room? My sister and her friends used to do that and scared the shit out of themselves. My question is, on uh -huh. this whole Slenderman thing, uh -huh. becoming a thought form because enough people believe in him, even for a specific even, amount right, of time, even, right? Even in these like specific circumstances. Right. Yoda, Obi-Wan Kenobi. D are people believing them in them as real beings? I. There are people who believe the Force and that whole st mythology is real. But I don't think in the same way. I, I, do, I don't hear of people... You know, like trying to conjure Yoda. I, you know what? You know what I do hear though is I do hear people talking about the force. Yes, as if it's I a do. Real believe. phenomenon, um, right? Yeah, and like a real religion. Yeah, yeah, I do agree with you there. The I Jedi are the, the religion, Church of yeah, Star yes, Wars yeah. is yeah. what Finn is saying. Yeah, I do believe that there are people who actually do believe in the force. Yeah, there. Uh, yes, yeah. They, those people do exist. Not to specifically maybe the characters of Yoda or Obi-Wan Kenobi, but... Oh, I think there, Obi-Wan there, more than Yoda, but Probably, yeah. yeah. There are probably people who believe that those are historical figures. Could right. be, yeah. Because um, yeah. it's Especially a very now. long time ago. Right, yep. A very long way away. Yeah. So the fact that, that Star Wars is set in the past allows people to, to potentially believe that those figures are real, but right. not... Present. Right. right. Now, Megara is They're saying... They're historical, like dead presidents. Right. I think, Megara, I believe you're talking about the Bloody Mary standing in front of a, a mirror and saying her name. Yeah. I may have done that once as a, a as baby. a baby? A yeah. baby, a baby. I didn't like see anything, but I did feel a sense of dread. No idea if it was an outside force or just me being primed and easily spooked at a young age. Maybe column A, column B? So there's some science about this, actually. <laughs> well, here we go. Odin science. Odin Everybody take out your notepads. I know. I don't have the, like, I don't have anything specific. This is just, like, stuff that's filtered into my brain. I don't have studies to cite or anything. But. <laughs> science, 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 science. Science time. Yeah. <laughs> but they've done some studies of why mirrors in yes. a dark room, like, freak people out. Uh -huh. Because even if you don't do the Bloody Mary thing, mm -hmm. if you, like, catch a mirror out of the corner of your eye that's dark, that can cause your brain to be like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. um, and cause a sense of dread or anxiety mm -hmm. or tension or whatever. Um, and they think it's because of, again, the way your brain actually processes visuals is not that your brain takes the input your eyes are receiving and gives it to you directly. Mm -hmm. Your brain interprets right. the input your eyes are receiving and decides what you should see. Right. So they think when you look into a dark mirror, your, your eyes see very little, they mm -hmm. see like a few pieces reflected of your face, mm -hmm. but your brain, because it knows there should be a whole face there, mm -hmm. just fills in the gaps, but it fills in those gaps incorrectly. Mm -hmm. And so you see like a distorted, fake, non-human face mm -hmm. because the, your, your eyes aren't giving your brain enough information. And let's not forget that we do use black mirrors for scrying. Yep. Um, and there's also a long history tradition of 
mirrors being a kind of portal, which is where the the practice of covering a mirror mm-hmm. up when someone has died. Yeah, is to uh, prevent people from getting trapped. Prevent, exactly, to prevent people from getting trapped so that their spirit can move on. So there's actually a lot of lore yep. around mirrors. Yeah, there's a combination of science and, and, and mythology. And, mythology. and so that goes into our, our topic as well. Of, of with Bloody Mary and other things, mm-hmm. you know, with, uh, you know, a lot of people will say that they have uh, experiences seeing a spirit behind them when they're looking in mm-hmm. a mirror in a bathroom. And sometimes that's a spiritual experience. And sometimes, and sometimes it's your brain being weird. Or a combination <laughs> of the two. Uh-huh. Yep. Because your brain is trying to fill in what your senses are picking up. Exactly. And and filling it, gaps. And if it is your spiritual senses, which mm-hmm. I firmly believe in, then your brain is still working on your senses. It's just those extra sensory Yeah. Because So I said this. I mentioned this earlier. I mentioned hardware. Yep. That your body is the hardware your brain has to process information with so your quote vision your sight what you quote see isn't actually the data your eyes get your eyes get a certain amount of data and your brain fills in and removes information from that as it thinks it should based on prior experience and its own opinions Mm -hmm. um, which you have very little control over right that's an autonomous brain process that happens without your consent (laughs) and so i think it does all your brain is also getting on some level, mm-hmm. that spiritual input, but it doesn't have the right hardware yep. to express it. So it's doing its best with the physical hardware. We talked about this earlier when people who are experiencing a, a really distressing haunting and they are exhibiting scratches or bite marks mm-hmm. or things like that. If you'll notice from the evidence that people provide, yeah. the bite marks, the scratches, if you'll notice they're more impressions, they don't really... They often look like welts or rashes yep. or some kind of allergic reaction exactly. more than a scratch. They don't really break the skin and things of that nature. And so what our theory is, mm-hmm. is that it is, again, the person is experiencing something truly, genuinely happening. But on a spiritual, but on a spiritual level, and the brain and the body are trying to make sense of that experience. It's like a spiritual immune system. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and because you know, there's there's a reason that we have the placebo effect. Our brain and our body, our brain can trick our body into believing things. Basically, your brain says, "I've been scratched," because you had the spiritual experience of being scratched, and it transmits to your body, hey, I've been scratched, yep. and your body says, I'll do my best. <laughs> there you go. That's that's our theory. Again, this is our theory. Our completely unsubstantiated, unsubstantiated unstudied theory. That's just what we think. So, <laughs> okay. So, Jediism, because I brought it up earlier, right. it's a is actually philosophy. recognized yep. in New Zealand as a charitable as a religion. religion. Yep. Okay. So, it's the only country I can find so far that is right, recognized. But New Zealand yep. has said... Jediism is a recognizable religion Fair. with 391,000 adherents okay. uh, worldwide. Right. Could I, those I think, people at minimum, the force exists. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And those people who have been killed and become part of the force mm-hmm. then can become thought forms based exactly. on Exactly. In the force. Okay. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Rana asked, what, what about, about Pastafarians? Yeah. Most Pastafarians don't have a genuine belief. Right. Yep. You mm-hmm. need a genuine belief for it to work. Yeah. So part of this, like, as I was looking up stuff for this, is Dracula. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So something Bram that... Bram Stoker's. Bram Stoker's Dracula, which a lot of people at least... Are aware of. Aware of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would say there are quite a few people who believe in vampires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And vampirism. 
So we know there was folklore. Right. So I did a shit ton of research. Okay. And I found out that Dracula is not based on Vlad the Impaler. No. But is based on Abarach, who is actually an Irish vampire mm. from significantly before that time. Yes. Pro, pro tip, if you're not aware, Bram Stoker is Irish. Right. Who was from <laughs> Dublin. I did not know that. Yeah, Bram Stoker is an Irishman. And uh, so it's super interesting. It's super interesting to me that, you know, that this is where all of this came from, mm -hmm. is it really came from Ireland. There's a couple of legends that go with it. Right. One would be the Elf Dwarf of Derry, Ooh. which um, you can kind of figure that out from the name. The name's <laughs> on the label in that one. And that they tried to kill Abarach several times, mm -hmm. and he kept coming back. Like we're mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Then uh, legend two is in a more modern day mm -hmm. um, where they actually consulted instead of a druid on how to get rid of him, a Christian saint. Of course. Of course they did. Right, right. So rewrite. But all of it ended up being that they had to stab him with a staff of yew. Okay. Or a sword of yew wood. Death, death wood. Right. Death by yeah. wood in and the heart. And buried upside down. Mm, oh, I've seen that before, yes. Yeah. So, and then covered with stones. Mm -hmm. But it, it's super interesting to me that things that everybody considers to be quote unquote Transylvanian or mm -hmm. Romanian is actually is actually an Irish thing mm -hmm. that Brahm took from significantly mm -hmm. before and was actually written about in a post the original writing mm -hmm. um, about 20 years before he wrote Dracula. Mm -hmm. So he would have had an updated version of it. Based on the... On the most recent... Correct, yeah. Translation. Yep. <laughs> also, just a side note, Bram Stoker was probably gay, and he was writing Dracula as a response to Oscar Wilde's trial that was happening at the same time. So, get, get, your, your, get your wards right. Get your wards right. Sweep out any negative energy. And remember, protect your place and your space. Or... Don't answer the door. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. <laughs> Don't answer the fucking door at midnight. Or, Finn is right. Drink, drink a, a fucking lot. lot. Drink a fucking lot. If you drink lot. enough, you won't be able to answer the door. And That's you right. won't care what the fuck you're dreaming about. <laughs> that's right. So, and don't talk to strange children. That's All right. right. <laughs> so that's it from us. Uh, we're three pagans and a cat plus Jackson. Mm -hmm. If you need to find us, the best way to find us, as always, Google. Mm -hmm. It's this thing on the internet where you type in the word G, whatever it is. G-O-O-G-L-E. Yeah, Google. So com, <laughs> And then... Once it pops up and it gives you a little like search bar, mm -hmm. you type in the number three, yep. pagans and, and a cat. Yep. And like and you hit tons enter. of right, and then tons of shit pops up, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So oh, shit, probably three or four pages. Yeah, so like that's the best way to find all of our stuff. Like you don't need to like fuck around like going to our website, going to Patreon, going to whatever. But you can if you want to. But if you go to the Google shit, you'll find all of those. That's true. But also, do come visit me on, on Patheos Pagan. Uh, remember, you if you do want to support us, you can go to Patreon. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can Instagram, find Gwyn on those things. You YouTube. can't find me. Yep. All right. But yeah. Apparently, I still Google. have to do a... Well, not apparently. I still have to do a review for the yes, you do. Atheos blog. Yes, you do. Because yes, I got a book do. to review that I still haven't read. All right. We'll, we'll get around to that. Are we time. done? Yes, I think, I we're, think done. we're done. Say goodbye, Jackson. Bye. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hit the All right. button. All right. Hit the, goodbye. All right, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Don't open the door. Ever. Are you going to hit the button? Or Ever. To, to the black-eyed children. Just, it's COVID anyway. You want to stay in your house. So Socially distant. Exactly. Be stay socially, socially distant, distant from the black-eyed children. From the black-eyed kids, Slenderman, any of those crids. Crids? crids?
That's like kids and cryptids together. <laughs> <laughs> All right, seriously. Press seriously, the press the button. Or, or, or I will right. steal the mouse and press it. <laughs>